Let's do it. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm here with my new friend, uh, Paul Bellantone. Uh, Paul is the president of Promotional Products Association International, or PPAI, which uh, I got acquainted with a couple years ago and most recently spoke at the AMA conference uh, right. done in New Orleans, right? Uh, except I was exactly where I'm at when I did it <laughs> at home. Uh, thanks for, thanks for joining me. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, my, my wife was concerned. She's like, you know, you can go down there, but I'm concerned you're not going to be able to get back. So that's, right. that's essentially why, why I stay grounded. But um, nevertheless, thanks, for, thanks for, for joining us. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. So I'm coming to you from um, Missouri. I'm in Kansas City, Missouri. My, I live in Dallas. I have a 28-year-old daughter who lives in Chicago, mm -hmm. and we're both in a shelter-at-home situation, and we decided, um, well, let's just rent an Airbnb somewhere between the two of us, so at least we can both work you know, together. We're in the same house. We brought a dog along. So we're right. trying to create as much normalcy as possible in a very interesting time right now. Is that an right. understatement, an interesting time? <laughs> it, it is without a doubt accurate and you know i'm glad to yeah. hear that like you know you're foregoing the you know staying completely isolated you know i feel bad for some of the people i know that you know are living alone uh yeah. i can't imagine how lonely that is um yeah so well i'm glad that so you got so you split the difference for the airbnb so where's that at that's in kansas city it's in Kansas City. It's actually a little bit further than if we had just done St. Louis, but I have some friends in Kansas City and we just said, you okay. know what, let's kind of, we, we'll all, we'll, we'll, we'll keep our groups together, but we'll do it from six to 10 feet right. away from each other as yep. we uh, do that. It's um, been, I, so I travel almost um, a third of the time. You know, I, I go out and I talk to companies and associations and industries about the value of promotional products, physical, yes. tangible advertising, like, you know, like a pen with a logo or all of those things that you have behind you with the logos on them there. Yep. Um, so it was interesting. My entire staff now is working from home. All 80 of us We're an 80 person trade association that represents that industry. And they're like, well, you're never in the office anyway. This isn't, why is this a big deal for you? And I, I might not have been in the office, but I was never alone. Right. Like I was always out meeting with people. So it's not necessarily the challenge I think a lot of people are having isn't necessarily um, being at home. It's just being away from a network. Right. That, it reinforces that, like the importance of building a strong network of people that you want to be around. You really don't realize it until you're away from them mm -hmm. just how important that is. Absolutely. Uh, it, yeah, I, I agree completely. I'm working from home and the rest of my people are in their homes and we're trying to support students and I'm finding most of my time is actually just spent on Zoom conferencing, just yep. communicating and very little work is actually being done. <laughs> do, you, do you think so? Or is, is it a different kind of work, RJ, or is it? No, yeah, so... I mean for, for me, um, I can actually tackle this from three different perspectives. So the, the first is uh, I, market, I, I run marketing for the undergraduate business college and the university unilaterally canceled all events. 
So I have very few things to actually market and promote right now. Uh, we're just kind of keeping our, our marketing channels open and putting out good feeling, good vibe type of content to keep people positive and keep morale high, uh, as high as we can get. And then, um, on the teaching side, I've got to deal with students that have a low morale that are getting ready to graduate. Uh -huh. And ironically, uh, it inspired me to do this video series. So Good. I'm able to turn a negative into a positive in that respect. And then, Great. you know, my, my design practice, which is, this is our logo, you know, I'm, all of our work has basically hit a standstill because all of our clients, they're municipal based, right? So all municipalities are basically shut down or in like some, they're like 10% operational. So it's, yeah, it's, it's peculiar, but I'm, I'm managing to stay busy. Yeah. Well, we've been, we've been busier today than I think we've ever been, but we're mm -hmm. doing things that we've never done before. So there you go. It, it's kind of shifted our entire dynamic of how we talk to our membership. So I'll give you a little bit about PPAI. Where I'm. Please do. We have 16,000 members who make and sell things with logos on them. So the hat behind you, anything that you have on that little shirt here, whatever it is, the apparel. And um, so if a, a customer, let's say, you know, Verizon phone is doing a marketing program and they want to give out something at a kiosk or at an event or, um, you know, uh, something in lumpy mail, they want to mail magnet along with it. That's my industry. Anything that has a logo on it that mm -hmm. is not of the manufacturer of the product is, is a promotional product. There's a tangible advertising. So think about the, um, the things that you were talking about, like we don't have any events. Right. Well, education is one of the largest um, buyers, largest industry using promotional products. I mean, go, think of a college fair that you go to either a recruitment fair or things that mm -hmm. you're doing for graduation. So we are pretty much between 50 and 75, 80% down because that industry just doesn't, isn't buying products right now. People aren't going right. to meetings and conferences. They're not doing the things that traditionally we would use. They're not, all the mu South by Southwest is canceled. All of the music Coachella is canceled. All of these places where people are used to either buying merchandise, um, concerts are, are canceled. So either buying merchandise or um, being given merchandise by the, the organizer has just basically shut down. Yeah. So what, what we're doing now, um, rather than putting buyers and sellers together, which is normally what we do, suppliers and distributors, we're doing a lot more advocacy work and mm. um, legislative work. So we had, you know, the 800-page CARES Act just came out yesterday, um, two days ago, and I have a, a government relations team that read those 800 pages of legislation and broke it down for our members and said, Okay, this is what this means for you for SBA loans. This is what this means for you for unemployment. Here's a relief package. Here's grants that you can get. So we were looking at things specific to our industry. So we've gone from a um, transactional commerce type trade association over to legislative and advocacy type association. And we did it like this. And 
and we're doing it like blindfolded with one hand tied behind our back because none of <laughs> right. us are together. And every meeting looks like this a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, but you know what? This is this is what makes you know this is right. what makes things great when you when you have this challenge in front of you and you just go and tackle it. You figure it out. So out of curiosity, how, um, how is your industry being affected by the outbreak? You had mentioned that, that governmental piece, you've got a government relations team. What, have they, what did they discover in, in that act that is affecting the, the industry? Okay, so uh, I'll talk about that from two um, perspectives. The first one, do you remember way back in January, which seems like it was 10 years ago, Right. there was this... Um, outbreak in Wuhan, China, mm -hmm. that we were concerned um, was going to affect our supply chain. Most of our right. stuff is made in Asia, you know, um, Im imported. And we were thinking, wow, that's really going to suck if we can't get any product to help all of our healthy, vibrant businesses here in the United States who are right. And then within a month, we now had a demand problem not a supply problem. People weren't buying things. It wasn't that we, now we have more stuff coming in than we actually have customers that are willing, you know, to, to need them right now because they're just not doing their things. Mm -hmm. So that, that was a big shift for us. The legislation that just came out, the CARES Act is probably, I have to say, I've, not a political statement, but a fact that both in a bipartisan way came together and put this package together that I think is one of the most robust, well thought out and helpful pieces of legislation that I've seen in a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And it does a number of things. It, it, um, it gives employers the opportunity to retain their employees, you know, for three and a half, four months by giving them forgivable loans. So basically mm -hmm. they can go to the bank, they can take the money from the bank. They can pay their employees, not lay them off, pay them. And if they use the money for that reason, then they don't have to pay back the loan. I mean, that's just magical to a small business person, right. you know, business. Um, for those independent contractors, we have a lot of sole proprietors in our industry. Um, mm -hmm. An independent salesperson is selling promotional products. The act actually works for them too, because generally those people weren't um, eligible for unemployment. Right. It now makes them eligible for unemployment and it gives them, it makes it immediately and it gives them $600 more, up to $600 more per week than they would have gotten under the traditional unemployment. And then there's just um, a lot of, you know, $2 trillion worth of low interest loans mm -hmm. that are out there for businesses. So, we, we applaud this piece of legislation. We think it's great. It's just helping our members understand it. I mean, think about right. 800 pages of something written by a lawyer. And we know how much fun that could be. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. I mean, not even like reading my contracts. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. You or, uh, you know, or even like with the Affordable Care Act, like reading all of that just to understand right. what it's about, like, it, yeah, there's a barrier for entry there that's pretty steep. Um, so it's a good thing you've got pe translators, essentially. The translators, that's right. Yeah. They put it into, um, not only did they put it into simple language, but they put it into language that's very specific to our 
mm-hmm. industry. I'm sure in the restaurant industry, they have their people doing that. And then the, yeah. you know, automotive industry, they have their people doing that. So now that, now that the, the outbreak has sort of hit, has hit the States for sure, has that affected the supply chain? It certainly has um, yeah. because we, by and large, are considered a non-essential service. So you're in, where, where did you say you were? I'm sorry again. I'm in Pittsburgh. You're in Pittsburgh. That's right. You were saying you were going to Louisiana. You have a shelter in place order right now. Yep. So um, you're not going to work. That affects supply chain. Are you in essential service? Universities? No, you guys were shut down. We're, uh, we're not in a sense. Yeah, we're uh, we're like quasi shut down. So we're still okay. we're, we're, all non-essential people were sent home, but right. we're still working. Yeah, but to your point, right? Which is so we're we by and large our industry, our practitioners are not essential service. They're not, but some of them are selling. Um, medical equipment like um, masks and you know basically a factory that was making t-shirts can make masks today um, they can make hospital gowns they you right. know those are actually part of our industry to begin with we have logoed masks you see you see the um, hospital gowns with the logos on them now or the scrubs with the logos on them so those companies that are in that line you know that sell into the healthcare market are actually considered essential services. So part of our industry is still moving forward. But by and large, that's a a pretty small and focused group of people. It's not the entire industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, my friend, Matt, uh, he's the president of his own uh, printing uh, company here in Pittsburgh. And they're rolling right along like businesses. It's actually businesses better uh, for them right now, because they're having to print a lot of like, you know, warning and, you know, signage and stuff like that. Yeah. The posters that go on the, the wall of a building that you mm-hmm. now have to send to all of your employees that talk about your rights under the CARES Act. I've seen, um, I went into a grocery store and I saw promotional, pro- we, we know they're promotional products. You just look at them as kind of a floor marker. That mm-hmm. says, you know, as the, the logo of the store and it says, stand here. And then another one six feet away that says, right. stand here. And another one. So people are getting creative. That's the beauty of our um, industry. And that, that to me is why right, I came on here because I want to talk about the, the value of promotional products and that people love them. Not yeah. just about the fact that we are in a really crappy time. Right yeah. now, but <laughs> our members right. are so opportunistic. They see... Mm-hmm the opportunity to say like, hey, we can do something here. We can do something creative and we can be helpful in a way that maybe they didn't have to before, you know? Mm -hmm. Somebody gave me a great example, RJ. They said, um, it's like the entire economy. Like if you think about the the country as as a person, it's like the entire country has been put into a medically induced coma to just lay down and do nothing while we figure this thing out, you know? And then you start waking the patient up again. You know, if you really think about some of the conversations that are happening around this, it's really like, we're gonna give you all of this money. We're gonna give you all of these things. Just stay put, don't go anywhere and let us figure this out. And then we'll tell you when to come back out. 
we will come back out. I mean, there's been plagues and, you know, pandemics before in the past, and we've always gone through them. This one's just really, it's, it's the first one in our lifestyle. I guess the Spanish yeah. flu back in 1918 or whatever it was, there really aren't too many of us around that, that had seen this. So for us, kind of a big deal. Absolutely. And so here's your opportunity to really promote, uh, you know, promotional products because, and this is actually uh, apropos because, so in my, in my brand management class, we're actually rebranding the, um, the city of Hermitage, Pennsylvania. And Hermitage is like a little 10,000 population, you know, Western Pennsylvania community in the Rust Belt. Yeah. And they're looking at revitalizing their, their communications. And they have the, the understanding to know that this requires a marketing eye and marketing lens. So yep. um, with, my, with my personal practice plus public, what I do is I brand cities uh, and neighborhoods and municipalities and things like that. And I always talk to them about how when you de- design the brand, you have to put a brand into action to give it its life, to give it its purpose. And one of the best ways to do that is to enable your residents, your business owners, your cheerleaders to wear your colors, you know, uh, wherever they go. So the, one of the first things I always do is I say, we got to get a t-shirt uh, made and we have to get those vendors lined up and ready to go uh, sure. to really promote that. So you know, it be it my clients or other small businesses like mine, this is actually a very opportune time to revitalize your marketing strategy. And I found myself, and you know, you can certainly add on to this, but a lot of small businesses, they don't have a marketing strategy at all. Certainly. Right? So this is a great time to build that and then also understand you know, how things like social media can be useful. Everyone's looking at their phones right now. But eventually, you don't just plan for the short term, you're also playing for the long term. And that's sort of where promotional products comes into play, Right. you know? Um, so how- but Think how, about the challenge, yeah. RJ, that, that you have. Like, so if you were doing that Hermitage and you, and part of your rollout of this new brand could have been a street festival, you know, mm-hmm. in downtown. Well, that's not happening. So how right. do you get your message across, get people to um, wear the brand, you know, wear, wear their, their new colors if you can't um, be in front of them and you, you don't have that physical presence. So what you do is you find ways to deliver it to them. And that's where we're seeing opportunity right now. I mean, I have 80 people who used to come to an office are now working at home and I'm trying to keep them engaged and to remember the value of our brand when they're talking to our members. And, and we're doing that by sending things to their home now. And I'll get on a, a, a call with my team and they'll have on our logo stuff. They'll, they'll right. have on our logo things. So it doesn't, it's a great opportunity to reimagine um, what you are and what you do. But I'll bet you out of, all of the things that you were doing in rebranding, you're, you're going to need to change about 50% of them now in the delivery mm-hmm. of how you're, how you're doing that. But that's the challenge. That's what's exciting. Right. That's why people pay us. 
Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And That's right. So, yeah, so easy. I, I love that challenge, you know, like it's nothing is impossible. Right. And it's yeah. certainly some things may feel insurmountable. Um, but there's, there's practically a solution for, for everything. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to embrace throughout this. I've had to do some really interesting adaptation for my teaching, uh, for how I'm marketing a college, and even for, for my own clients. Uh, but there's, there's ways around it. And ultimately, how creative you get um, really defines the solution. I mean, it, yeah, it could be, you know, maybe hopefully it's not something that's tone deaf. I think tone deafness is right. really oh uh, a, a, cha a challenge to work around right now. It's like, um, so yesterday, um, there was, uh, you know, we were trying to prohibit, uh, a lot of the, the colleges, faculty, staff departments to not do any April fool's jokes. <laughs> and you know fortunately on the pit side we're relatively successful with that but i saw a lot of other universities and even small businesses putting up yeah. april fool's jokes it's just like no 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 yeah <laughs> there's a pandemic out there folks keep the right. april fool's jokes you know what april fool's has been punted to may you know <laughs> do something um you know I, the resiliency of our economy, the resiliency of our, of marketing per se, you know, to help drive an economy. So your students are yeah. 22 to 18. So yeah. um, think about 9-11, 2001, they were born. Yep. I, so they don't really know, um, for any students that are watching this, life was different before that. It, it was significantly different about how you traveled and how you got on an airplane and how you walked into an office building and why you're wearing badges now in the workplace and why you need security keys to get into a building. And yep. you, you start looking at a, um, a post. So it was one of those few times when the entire globe comes, the whole, the entire world comes together and says, we are now in a um, global, global anti-terrorism. And you know what? It was great marketers who put things in place to boost the economy after this tragic event. Starting today, at the end of this thing, your students are going to be challenged, RJ, with how do we, how do we grow an economy in a, in a global marketplace that's now focused on public safety, uh, public health? So that's the opportunity for this entire generation. Like Everything is going to be different, and we're handing it to you. Please make things better. So yes. go at it with enthusiasm and go at it with motivation. We need to hear some fresh voices and new voices in marketing that are going to say, you know, it's going to be this great combination of social media and digital and physical in ways that my generation has never even imagined could be possible. So, you know, uh, this actually brings up a really great question. There's a little bit of a preface. So, you know, uh, my students are looking at an, unshake, uh, an unstable, questionable economy. Uh, they've had some jobs be canceled on them or delayed. Uh, internships are being canceled. Um, they're very nervous about their future. Uh, but to your point, I think that there is a lot of innovative capability in promotional products right now. Um, right. 
And for those students that maybe had opportunities taken away from them, how can they channel their energy and their enthusiasm into uh, an industry that is not only wanting to embrace them and their ideas, uh, but put them to work like uh, the promotional products industry. So basically, how can they get in? So they can do it in a number of different ways. Um, you know, just in the last five years or maybe 10 years, if you, if you really stretched it, you have the whole phenomenon of Zazzle and Etsy, and you have people actually becoming entrepreneurs, putting images on products that are then being drop shipped to somebody. And somebody can order one, you know, so that it's business to consumer or B2B, they can order dozens of them for their businesses. So we've watched a number of people get involved in our industry because they had a great idea for a great design that they wanted to put in front of other people. So that, that's one way that they can get in touch. Then there's two other ways. One, they could actually be in the market of selling promotional products and working with customers about how to put their brands on physical physical things. And I believe that's going to become more important than ever before because mm -hmm. what we found is the more things become digital, the more you, you need to have some sustaining thing that keeps a relationship going because digital is kind of fleeting. Right. One of the beauties of promotional products. If you talk to Kim, I know she said this to you, we are the only marketing media where somebody says thank you for advertising to them. So whenever yes. somebody gives you something... <laughs> People say, thank you. You can't delete a t-shirt. You, you know, you, it, mm -hmm. it's something that you hang on to. Um, so they can get involved in um, selling promotional products, becoming a promotional consultant. And I'll, I'll tell you how to do that in a second. The third thing is um, as marketers, we want to make sure that you know the value of using physical advertising as part of your campaign. So that's, that's what we preach. So there's a website and it's called uh, promotionalproductswork.org. So just those three words all together, promotionalproductswork.org. And if you go in, they can put in the zip code of the school, they can put in the zip code of their home and it'll bring up the promotional agencies that are in that area. And that's their first outreach is to go to an existing company and say, hey, I had an internship, I lost my internship, can I intern here? Or, hey, I want to get into sales. Can I get a draw on a, a salary and go out and talk to my colleagues about how to use promotional products and sell? Um, so I think that that's the first stop is to, is to get in touch with an existing promotional agency, see how they're doing it, intern, you know, shadow somebody. Unfortunately, they're all in shelter at home right now. So you're going to need right. to wait a little bit. I don't see yep. this happening forever, but that's a free search and look for internships, look for jobs there. Our industry is always looking for good people. And, and more to that point, you know, PPAI, you've got, you've got considerable knowledge and, and research on this industry. So if you're sheltered in place, you can study it you know, and then make those outreaches and say, Hey, I studied this. Uh, I was led to it by Paul and here I am. Yeah. And, uh, you know, give me an opportunity. I will make your, um, viewers, your students, a commitment. Normally, um, well, any research that they want, we'll put in their hands, any education sessions that they want to take, 
I'll make sure I will find a way with my professional development team to make sure that they can kind of scoot past our login, you know, maybe our, um, <laughs> okay. our login will be something like RJ says so, you know, that'll be the code that <laughs> yeah. they know that they can um, get um, online education. We've just opened up 300 more courses because we know more people are actually working at home and have a little bit more mm -hmm. time to be able to do that, to sharpen their sword you know, when times are a little bit um, slower. Right. So that's absolutely, I will, I will make that offer to them. I'll figure out a way to do it. My team's going to hate me for it, but I'll figure out a way to make that happen. <laughs> well, you know, they, they'll be able to find some solace and be able to sleep at night when they know that they're empowering uh, a bunch of uh, ambitious young go-getters that have seen a massive false start in their careers. So uh, that's mighty uh, kind of, of you. Yeah. That's an interesting way to say it, a massive false start. Yeah. But, I, but you, you know enough to know that this is a marathon and it's not a sprint. That's right. And they have, <laughs> you know, think, I think about how many careers I had before I got into this career. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I've had my false starts. Some of them were self-inflicted wounds. They weren't like, you know, where it's been handed right. to you. But, um, you know, I think we've all been there. We all, you know, we, we've all had the obstacles, it's, it's what you do with it. And you, this is, while there's no comfort in numbers in this thing, this is shared pain. You know, it's not yes. you, it's not personal. It's the economy. The economy will be woken up from this self-induced coma and it will, I mean, it's the, we've had the greatest uh, period of economic growth. The last 11 years, 12 years, in the history that we've been measuring that. When you think about the growth we've had, uninterrupted growth, this is a hiccup. A big one, but it's a hiccup. It will get better. I agree. And you know, just coming back to the, the potential for promotional products in your career. So, you know, I'm I'm a born and bred trained designer. I've been doing design for 24 years and um I actually am a part of the the pitch, the sales program for promotional products, even though like it's not what I do, but it's like, it's very much an output for the work that I create. And it's, it's important that the work that I create is placed on the best type of carriers possible to not only yeah. best serve that artwork, uh, but to create the best impression. And that is, I mean, you look at the Venn diagram, it's all mixed together. So yep. promotional products is a part of design. If you're in marketing and branding, you need to have an understanding of promotional products. And then also as a designer, I'm in sales. As a marketer and branding strategist, I'm in sales. Yep. Um, and there are profound uh, and great lessons to learn just from selling. You know, RJ, you bring up a really good point. Um, promotional products used to be a very black and white basic industry. It was like, put this logo on this, you know, T-shirt, this 100% cotton T-shirt, and it was your promotional product. But I think about the sophistication of the products that are actually out in the marketplace right now. You have the athlete, athleisure wear. You have... Um, you know, the drive, the, the, the technical sport shirts that are out there right, right now. It's, it's, it's no longer just putting like a, uh, you know, a two color logo on a white or a black t 
T-shirt and calling it something. Um, it's also the sophistication of the marketing that goes behind it. So I'm going to give you a stat. Um, I know your um, students would be a little would be under um, millennials, but I'll give you something about millennials. Because everybody likes making fun of millennials, right? Yeah, so, that's me. Uh, <laughs> that's you. So if somebody gave me a promotional product, um, I would say thank you. And I would either keep it or I would give it to somebody. It's interesting. The millennials are the first generation where you gave them a promotional product and they would say, what would make you think that this brand is something that resounds with me? Mm -hmm. They love promotional products more than any of their cohort generations, but they want one that speaks to them. So it's really the, um, our industry has become this marriage behind real data driven mm -hmm. what people like. And then how do you find the exact thing that goes with them? Because they will not be appreciative if, if they don't think the quality is what they want, or if they don't think that the design is what they want or if it, so it's, it's become more um, science than just, Hey, let's put a logo on a shirt and give it to somebody and somebody will wear it somewhere. Right. Well, the the novelty, the novelty of of promotional products in that respect is kind of wearing off. You know, there's yeah, yeah. Uh, there. So yeah, I'm glad you mentioned data and analytics because it's such a huge part of of marketing now, um, but also sales and also design. So for example, when when I design a brand mark for a municipality we actually have a very intensive data-driven process to the point where it almost feels like it's colored by numbers, right? We let the, the residents, the stakeholders of these communities tell us what colors we should use, what shapes we should use, what are the emotional touch points that resonate with them on a legacy historical basis. And then we use our artistic and creative vision to give that shape and we mold that, right? So ultimately our pitch becomes, well, you want to, you should want to wear this t-shirt because you helped design that logo. Right. Right. So there's an emotional attachment. Um, Absolutely. so, so the, the bigger question is what is your emotional attachment to that brand? Well, that, that is, and is it authentic? Right. Is, is really yes. what it is. Are you talking about that thing? So one of my gurus, probably someone, I, I've had the opportunity to work with him on stage, um, Seth Godin, right? Yes. Um, mm -hmm. the, the master, our, our you know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He, I, I challenged him on, on something. We were talking about the value of a brand. And I was like, Seth, what's a brand? And he's like, oh, it's people's emotional attachment to your product. Knowledge. It's like, no, no, what is a brand? And he said something to me. I'll never forget it. He said, um, said, think about Nike and think about Hyatt, right? Hyatt Hotels, Nike Shoes. He said, um, if Nike were to build a hotel, can you picture it in your mind? And I was like, yeah, it'd probably be really cool. Like the behind the counter would look like the United Nations. You know, they'd have like every race <laughs> and ethnicity would be back there. It would right. be really cool colors. They'd have a great gym, good restaurant, you know. But he said, if Hyatt built a running shoe, can you picture it? <laughs> the answer is no, right? Not he at said, all. Your brand, your brand is your is your ability to transcend what you're doing today. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people can expect that from Nike because that's their brand is to be innovative and do different things. If your brand is not that, and you try to go out into the marketplace with that, that's data driven. That goes back to what you were talking about, like knowing your customer and not just saying, well, because I put, you know, my brand on this pen, everybody's going to love my brand now. Well, maybe not. There's a lot more science to it than ever before. Absolutely. And that, that science is only getting more uh, detailed. Um, I've had to do a wide foray into data analytics to fully understand the profile of a student interested in going to college and their, their process from consideration to application to being accepted. And there's so many numbers. <laughs> it's like, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's a lot to absorb, actually. But the, the effort ever, yields its own rewards. Do you ever feel like it's gotten too data-driven that, we've, that maybe we've lost a little bit of our creative soul to, um, to science? Like if you took a little bit of the art out, and put a little bit too much left brain. Yeah, um, I would say that's probably more prevalent in higher education, um, okay. especially when uh, times are bleak right now. Pre- even previous to right now, enrollment was on a declining trend. Um, so when the numbers dip, there's always an investigation into what the numbers ultimately yield. Um, as a consequence of that, the, the creative, I think what happens is they see that numbers drop, they look at the numbers, they try to understand the data and the analytics. And, um, most of the time the solution is just send another email blast, just send another printed piece, send another magazine. Um, when really what people are looking for is a creative solution. So I, I think that the creative does get diluted at times. Um, how do you also, combat that? And your, how, do you, how do you balance that in your mind when somebody's telling you, but the data's saying this and you know in your gut? Right. Yeah. Uh, where does instinct come into play? You know, it's funny you mentioned yeah. that because yeah. um, I am a very firm believer in instinct. Uh, especially acumen, right? And um, the only way you build that instinct is to put yourself into situations where you can gain it. Regardless, like walk into situations knowing you will fail at something, like willingly fail at things to gain that perspective. Um, so, you know, I, I, I enjoy doing that. Uh, and sometimes it annoys my wife, but, uh, <laughs> I won't get into that, but nevertheless, like, you know, the students that I have, they're never going to build instinct unless they're curious. And if they're yeah. not curious, they're not going to be able to innovate. And if they don't innovate or are in, unable to do that, what is their value? Uh, they become producers. They don't become thinkers or strategists. So, uh, for me, yeah. what I do is I have to take a, a very informed approach to uh, how I execute communications. So, for example, um, you, do you have a favorite joke that you, you like to tell people? Probably not. Okay. Wow, that's so weird. Yeah, right? So, uh, some people have, like, a joke. They just like to tell people. And depending on who they're talking to, they have to tell the joke differently 
in, so if they tell the joke to a bunch of high schoolers, right, they have to modify their language so it's a bit more approachable and it's more common. Sure. If they're telling this joke to a bunch of executives and CEOs, they can use, you know, upper level vocabulary and, you know, they can have maybe some speed to it. They don't have to, you know, be a bit slower in their tempo or anything like that. So um, I'm very much a, a student of crafting your communications for the right audience. So the data that I observe tells me how to talk to people and how they want to be talked to, how they want to be communicated with. But on the creative side, I see it as storytelling. So for me, yeah. storytelling is a blend of data and creative. The data tells you what touch points to hit, maybe when, and what, what words to, that you would want to use. What are the, those data-driven touch points? The, the words that, uh, are, that trend the most, right? So, for example, the word community trends with practically everyone for whatever. Um, the creative side tells me how long should I wait between breaks? What should my tempo be? What should, uh, how, what should my volume be? Um, and am I talking with my hands? Or if it's a printed piece, uh, what colors am I using? Can I, can I get away with deviating from the brand standards just a little bit to create some really unique niche or hook that stands apart from everything else? So that's kind of my approach to things. Um, and for the most part, if I have... Uh, superiors or supervisors that understand that vision and understand that it might fail, but it does progress the brand forward, then generally they're good with it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the kind of approach that I take. So you can't be literal with the numbers all the time. You have to choose when to stop being informed by them and really think about the human centeredness of what it is that you're trying to do. It's a great way to balance it. It's to do this. I have a sign in my office and my, my staff kids me on this. And it says, um, if we have data, let's go with the data. If all we have is opinions, we're going with mine. But <laughs> it's, it's kind of that, that balance a little bit too. You know, mm -hmm. that's actually a yin and a yang thing. That, that's actually yep. one or the other. But I think what you're talking about is, okay, how do I get their data and my instinct that you're talking about and put those together and and you're right most of my instinct has been through um failure not through mm, victories the victories confirm your instinct yep. your failures to develop your instinct exactly and you know for for my sort of problem solving process i think the most visual the most apt visual metaphor and i know you'll appreciate this is a two-color gradient <laughs> you know yeah yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, on, on opposite ends of the spectrum, it's a solid color and then it merges right into the middle. So it's a, it's a transition, uh, of, of understanding and learning. So, uh, so that's I'll, what, I'll, yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll, this whole con, the whole thing we're in right now with this pandemic and, and, um, it's going to change some of the language that we use mm -hmm. for things as well. Like you mentioned the word community and, and what that, um, Kind of what that denoted, like get this community to get, you know, but right now we have this thing called community spread of the virus, you know, mm -hmm. and I wonder if that'll ultimately affect how we use the word um, 
community, I wonder if, if it'll change the way we talk about viral marketing. Like, will that be a term that has such a negative connotation to people mm. that it now becomes something else? I think we need to be careful on those things. And, and like, you, um, like you were saying before, don't, don't, no, there is no April Fool's this year, folks. Sorry, you know, it's too soon. Right. You know, it may be, you know, so what are the things that, um, that I think we need to start paying attention to coming out of this? that used to have a positive connotation, but now has a, um, a, a negative one or vice versa. Right. And so that remind. I'm glad you brought that up because that reminded me of two things. One, uh, and, and I've said this before, but the, the coronavirus outbreak didn't become real to me until I saw pictures of people in hospitals. So for weeks, I just kind of ignored the news and I let my wife inform me as to what's happening other than what notifications I was getting on my phone, right? So it wasn't exactly, uh, it didn't feel like a real thing to me. And then all of a sudden it was because now I have family and friends that are infected. Um, so that kind of led me into thinking about, well, I'm being told to call it coronavirus, but I see other people calling it COVID-19. COVID-19. Yeah. And so uh, there's, uh, they, they're essentially synonyms. They mean the exact same thing, uh, except one is general, which is the coronavirus, and then COVID-19 is what is actually happening now. So there's a general right. misunderstanding of even how to label what we're going through. Um, and unfortunately, like Corona beer is a victim of that, right? So uh, people are thinking like, you'll get coronavirus from drinking Coronas. Um, as sad as, as much as that makes me want to cry for humanity, you gotta find the, the comedy yeah. in it. Here's a question for you, Paul. Do you think Corona should rebrand? Too soon to tell. Too soon to tell, yeah. Um, uh, I, I think we are just so at the beginning of this. Mm -hmm. you know, we don't know how it's going to play out. I actually did read something, though, that Corona sales were up, but almost because of the novelty of it. People are like, I'm not going to let this, you know, stop me from doing right. my favorite thing. So I don't know in the long run how that will play out. Yeah. But um, I, I, I'll Google it again after this, and I'll shoot you an email if, it, if it's still the, the case. But okay. their sales for the month, I think, were, were actually up. But it's, who knows? Yeah. You know? What would the, you do? You're a, you're a marketing uh, expert. I run a trade association. I would stay the, I would stay the course. Um, that's kind of my thought on this. Um, it's too soon to tell. If you, if you rebrand, if you pivot now, ultimately what that does is demonstrate, demonstrate the weakness of the Corona brand. That's a brand. Um, yeah. And if it's that weak that you can pivot on a dime and not blink on that, then it didn't have much value to begin with. So um, I say stay the course, lean into it, things will pass. Uh, the people that like Corona will buy it regardless. Um, you know, maybe it, it, you know, for the company itself, they have an option to say like, scale back production, let's develop a new product line. And then, yep. you know, utilize that to generate our revenue that keeps Corona on life support. And then when the markets shift, and it's palatable again, then you can increase production. 
So that's so kind of my thoughts. The, the headline two days ago, Corona beer among the winners in coronavirus sales surge. Nielsen data show panic buying peak with huge sales gains for toilet paper and Corona <laughs> right. beer. Yeah. There you go. So now I don't this, think that that's going to play out over the long term, just like yeah. ultimately people will buy the proper amount of toilet paper. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah. Is branded toilet paper going to be a new promotional product line? I, I'm, it's already out there. It's already <laughs> yeah, out there. It's already it's, out there. Anything with a flat surface that you can put, <laughs> you know, that you could decorate with a logo is a promotional product. You know, I often joke with my clients when I say, like, I want to design a logo that you'd be proud to wear on a shirt or get a full body back tattoo of it. Um, and it always gets a laugh. But I'm like, <laughs> full body back tattoo. <laughs> ridiculous but uh nevertheless um we need to pivot and end uh but think about the brands though but but i'll just say think about the brands where people are actually tattooing it to their body and i heard a great uh presentation by the director of marketing for harley davidson Mm -hmm. like nobody's running around with the suzuki tattoo right you know but harley davidson their brand um represents a lifestyle as much as it does a motorcycle that quite frankly doesn't rank real high in terms of quality motorcycles. They're actually better engineered ones that are quieter, don't leak oil. Right. And probably priced more appropriate, but you're buying into the lifestyle of the brand. It mm-hmm. defines a, a lifestyle more, more than it, um, selling a motorcycle. Oh, absolutely. So. All of my uncles have Harley Davidson tattoos and they stopped being able to ride motorcycles 15 years ago, <laughs> 20 years right. ago. Right. So, um, Paul, if my students are interested in learning more about PPAI, the promotional products industry, and maybe about your background and how your organization functions, how can they learn more and reach out to you? Well, I would invite them to one about the industry. They can go to PPAI.org, PPAI.org to find a distributor, a, 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 a promotional agency in their area. It's promotionalproductswork.org. Okay. And then um, I'm going to give them two things. Paul B. Paul Bellantone, Paul B. at ppai.org. That's my email. My direct line is 972-258-3050. That's my direct phone. And you know Kim, so I'll give you her She's our PR person. It's Kim T, K-I-M-T, mm-hmm. at ppai.org. We would be delighted to take some time and, and um, visit with any of your students. And all of us are spending a lot of time on the phone these days, so it'll, it'll fit right in. Well, <laughs> you know, maybe we could do it as a, as a Zoom. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for your time and, and your kindness with the students. And um, Hopefully we can do this again sometime. This was a great exchange and um, I'm looking forward to getting more involved in the organization as well and doing what I can. Absolutely. You guys. Well, stay healthy, stay productive, go wash your hands. All right. Sounds good. Paul. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.